Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash nuclear revenge video. If you love real explosive stories of revenge, make sure to hit the like and subscribe buttons down below. Also, I've set up a channel membership just in case you want to show your support and help keep story time going for as long as possible. So if you love my videos or want to have your comments shown like this one by Phantasm, click the join button below this video. That said, our first story of the day is by just some arsel. A homophobe insulted my daughter. I may have ended his marriage. So my daughter, 15, has been friends with a girl who lives opposite for years now and in the past there's been sleepovers at both our houses. Adults always stopped and chatted when we saw each other, etc. Last year, my daughter came out as a lesbian, and a short while later, we noticed that our friends across the road never seemed to want to chat anymore. Recently, my daughter told me her friend had messaged her to say that she wasn't allowed around our house anymore. Yesterday I see them on the road, and I decided I was going to have a friendly chat, and see if I could resolve the issue. It didn't stay friendly very long. Jerkhead dad was acting oddly agitated when I brought it up and ended up saying, I'm not letting your freaking queer daughter try and do stuff to Redacted. Just because you raised a freak doesn't mean we all have to like it. Side note for anyone who doesn't know, although the term queer has been somewhat reclaimed by the LGBTQ community in recent years, it has a long history of being used as a homophobic slur, and Jerkhead dad definitely wasn't using it as an ally. Now, for the next part, it's important to know four things. 1. Jerkhead Dad has been working from home since the pandemic started. 2. His wife hasn't and works each day. 3. I've been working from home due to injury for a few weeks now. 4. I've seen the woman who visits for a few hours a couple of times a week, and I've seen him smack her butt as she leaves. I stay nice and calm. I take a breath and then I press the button. I calmly explain to Jerkhead Dad that just because my daughter is gay doesn't mean that she would be trying to make a move on a friend. After all, I say, men and women can be friends without it being sexual, just like you and that blonde girl who keeps coming round. He got pretty mad and called me some amazing names as his wife stomped back to their house. I'm guessing things got pretty bad as he left the house less than an hour later with a suitcase and a big gym bag and drove off, tires screeching. I do feel bad for the daughter if I'm honest and, if only for her, I did wish afterwards I'd kept my mouth shut. Not sorry for him though. Honestly, although it kind of wrecks the home, do you think it's better for the daughter in the long run to know that their dad was cheating on their mom? Or do you think that's something that kids of any age should kind of be shielded from? Let me know what you think in the comments down below. And our final story of the day is by Dragonpora, do not mess with my family. I will destroy you. Okay, so this goes way back and still leaves me fuming. The background is, I'll call myself Daisy, qualified as a mechanical engineer in the mid-1980s working in textiles, in a little African country. The players are Ed, the consultant with Card Blanche, 
It was there to assess performance, but also to investigate why a profitable company takes a nosedive within 18 months. The villains are Bob, Knob, and Bon. I was part of a management team employed on behalf of an NGO, non-government organization, company funded by the Commonwealth and IMF, International Monetary Fund, to help set up viable labor-intensive industry for this country in the mid-1990s. To start with, this was a dream job. Free luxury accommodation in a secured village that had tennis courts, swimming pools, guest lodge. My contract included free electric, water, and telephone landline. There was no broadband at that time. You used your landline to dial up. No mobiles at this time. Free private schooling for my three children. A monthly allowance. Note, not salary. Great pension. And full gold medical private medical insurance. The catch was that my husband was not allowed to work permanently. He could consult for companies, but not be employed. This was part of legal requirement for me to get work and residential permit. I was the total breadwinner. I was respected by the management team and my employees. I love the people of this nation, the culture, the warmth, and the willingness to learn. The majority of the employees were illiterate when they started employment. I helped set up schools to improve their verbal and written skills, not only in English but also in the local official language. I woke each day ready to tackle the challenge, see the staff develop, especially the women learning and gaining independence, and see the company flourish, become profitable. The rewards were amazing. Because the company became very profitable, it needed to be sold as a going venture to investors in the country. This was part of the agreement with the CDC, Commonwealth Development Corporation, and IMF, International Monetary Fund, who up to that point were our bosses. The sale included a cause that assured the continued employment of the local employees for 18 months after the sale. The order books were full, the bank balance very healthy on the day the new owners came in. The new owners have their headquarters in Southeast Asia. The new CEO, Knob, and CFO, Bon, come in. Trouble begins. Their first order of the day was to remove the majority of the previous management and bring their team in. I was told, in no uncertain terms, that as a female, I should be home breeding and not working. My time was up. Humph. The company starts losing money within nine months. This new team started blaming the local employees as the reason for the losses. Head office sends over a consultant slash independent observer, we'll call them Ed, to feedback proposals, solutions, and what was the root cause. Ed was empowered to act on behalf of the group's CEO in Southeast Asia. This is important for later. I had to have medical leave for eight weeks. Whilst on medical leave, the CEO makes a decision to cut off free private education. And no more free utilities or food allowance without adjusting my allowance. So I went from being well rewarded for the job to having to manage with a salary that was only 100 US dollars and pay for private school and all those other household costs that were previously incorporated into the contract. Yes, the company can do this. Basically, a new contract was underwritten as part of the new ownership. As a true expat employee, the company owns you totally. They own the permits that allow you to work and live in the country. I made a formal complaint, but was told if I didn't like it, the company would inform the country government that I had been fired due to not being qualified. This would have meant 48 hours to leave the country with no support, no possibility of getting any of our personal belongings shipped, frozen bank account as the local government would see this as fraud, 
possible police record, my family would lose everything and become destitute. On my return to work, I was demoted and they placed their own man to run my previous department, engineering and maintenance. I go to introduce myself to my new manager, let's call him Bob. Bob refuses to shake hands and states that he's there to make my life heck and remove me from the company. I saw red. No one threatens my family's well-being and gets away with it. This is how I ensured the whole management lost everything. Start investigation on what's going on. In the first 12 months that this new management team has taken over the company, they're now losing money and in serious debt. New equipment that's been installed by the NGO has to be sold to help pay salaries. The pension fund was found to be underfunded, was let go. Management blamed the NGO for having taken money out when they sold the company. This new management team has somehow brought over extended families. Older children were all being educated in the top universities, either in South Africa or even the UK. Younger children in top private schools. There was also extended house staff, including drivers, all of this coming out as losses in the company books. To top it up, I discovered that my new manager's university doctorate degree was fake. This management team treat the local staff as subhuman. I had had enough of this BS. Time to sort these jerks out. Stage 1. Prove current boss is not qualified in what he says he is. I talked to Ed about my suspicions, showed him the transcript from telephone conversations with the university that he claimed as having a PhD from. We set a trap. There were a set of machines that were seriously underperforming. Ed and I work out a plan. I walk into lead meeting late. I was to be quiet until Ed asked me to contribute. We wanted to give Bob enough rope. In the meeting, I sit quietly whilst Bob blames the local operators, the local maintenance fitters, and everyone else for all the woes that are happening, including why we can't meet the order book demands. Ed sweetly asks if there's a possibility of a mechanical issue. Bob denies it. Ed then asks me for my opinion. I explain that Bob had been changing suppliers of critical components to cheaper versions, but that still cost the same on the official books. I had evidence that demonstrates that Bob was receiving a significant percentage of the difference on the side, whilst the company charged the inflated prices. I also stated that I could fix the problem using the correct components. If I was wrong, then by all means, fire me. Ed sets a challenge to me and Bob. Each one of us has a team of fitters and our chosen components. Bob storms to the shop floor and does his usual screaming at everyone. I go down and explain what I was trying to achieve and how it would benefit the operators and get the project going. At the end of the week, we both had to report back to the management team. Ed had a few operators, mechanics, and production supervisors watch how Bob worked and see if there was any attempt to sabotage my project. Needless to say, Bob did try everything to ensure my team was not successful, but he never had the support of the locals and his team. They already hated him. Ed gives Bob a chance to come clean, but Bob still stated I was a liar and knew nothing. Ed stands up, goes to the door, opens it, and outside is Bob's family. Ed's investigation had confirmed what I had stated. As such, Ed had organized drivers and contacts to fly to South Africa, pick up all of Bob's children from schools and universities, and for those in the UK, the university was informed no company funds would be forthcoming for the one child that was being educated. 
Ed proceeded to give each of Bob's family plane tickets for the following morning. Company security guards and police were sent with Bob to his bank, where funds were frozen due to fraudulent transactions. Bob accepted a plea bargain, he will not be welcome in Africa ever, and his home country police were informed. When Bob landed in his home country, the head office had organized a police escort. Bob was unemployable, and his family greatly shamed. I hope he got his just desserts, I couldn't care less. Stage 1 complete. Stage 2, the final event. Prove Nob and Bond had been defrauding the company and the country. Nob and Bond were still in charge of the company, now 18 months from takeover. The stated clause that the workforce could not be touched was up. Nob and Bond called an all-side meeting. They stood up front with tears running down on how the NGO had lied about the company orders and profitability, how they're trying their best but the company is really struggling and people will lose their jobs. They announce a reduction of 66% of the workforce. I had been working closely with Nob and Bond's secretary, the accountant, and the purchasing officer, so I had been able to access the info needed. Survival kicked in. As I was part of the original management team, I had the original accounts that were audited as part of the CDC and IMF funding for the NGO. In the 18 months, I accumulated information on the losses being shown and the missing money going offshore into private accounts, and not the head office accounts. You see, these two did not respect women or the locals. They assumed that what was being done would not be picked up. If they had bothered to understand who they employed in the office, they would have found that the purchase officer and the accounting supervisor were qualified accountants with close links to government, as well as the banks and, they were, you're right, women. I had explained to the secretary, the accountant, and the purchasing officer that there would be a time when we needed evidence to safeguard money and people's livelihood. So the files had been building from their six months to now a year later. I talked to Ed and gave him the evidence we'd been accumulating. It was what Ed needed. Nob calls me to the office to tell me that I'm redundant with immediate effect. He also stated that for me to be able to stay in the country to sort out my family, I would now owe the company rent that was twice my given allowance. I lost it. I literally turned around and explained that in less than 24 hours, Nob would have no future, his family would have no future, no matter where they run, they would be found. I already knew this to be true, as Ed already had the wheels in motion. This time the group chairman walks in on my heated conversation together with the IMF representative and Bon in tow. Nob was fired on the spot, loaded onto a plane with an international warrant for fraud. The IMF pursued this fully. Nob was screwed. In this Southeast Asian country, a stain on your trustworthiness means you're untouchable. Bond didn't fare much better. He was locally arrested, denied access, fined, and the IMF did the same to him as what had happened to Nob. Only difference was that Bond willingly ratted Nob for all it was worth. As for me, the company limped along, but I no longer trusted anyone from that group. Myself and my husband found employment in another regional country. This time, both of us had work permits and airtight contracts. No one will ever screw us over or make us feel like slaves. The message was, do not threaten my children or my family. I will destroy you by waiting until you hang. Not proud, just realistic. 
If you were in a company and you internally had the ability to see this pile of poop growing bigger and bigger, getting smellier and smellier with the financials, and it might put your livelihood at stake? Would you be doing all you could to expose all of the fraud going on behind? Or would you be afraid of the potential retaliation of something like that? I mean, you're talking about people that are moving around and getting a lot of money on the side. I'd be interested to hear what you guys think. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Of both these stories that I've read, which was your personal favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.